Okay, here we are. Extra time, Immaculate Grid. This is Generations, talking about my sports generations. So before we get started, if you missed it, episode three of the main show, Generations, talking about my sports generations, dropped earlier today. So check that out. It's on free agency. And of course, we look at it how fandom has changed over the years and we look at how free agency changed over time changed the respective games and again how we view the game as fans but let's get rolling today is the 22nd of july saturday and let's get into the grid and we had an interesting grid today a few things that i learned so let's go over the columns the career column far right hand corner was an MVP. Then from left to right, column number one is Atlanta Braves and the middle column, Detroit Tigers. And then as we look at the rows from top to bottom, top row is the Angels, the middle row, Texas Rangers, and the bottom is Rookie of the Year. So here's where things start to get very interesting on the MVP side. So top right-hand corner for the Angels, I went with Mr. Don Baylor. And if you've listened to the first episode of Generations, we actually talk about Don Baylor and Bobby Gritch, and we get into uh, analytics and what analytics shows us and what it tells us and how we can utilize it and what the information is good for. And there's obviously debate and those kinds of things around all those different types of things. And we talk about that. Steve and I, as far as on the first show, you know, what are analytics good for? So Don Baylor was very much part of that discussion because there's an argument that he wasn't even the MVP of his own team that year. That would have been 1979 in the American League with the Angels. Possibly Bobby Gritch would have been or should have been MVP. So listen to episode one of Generations. You'll get a little flavor of that. So I went with Don Baylor and 4% of the folks went there. My buddy Tony actually wasn't aware of the nuance of the game and actually originally thought Pujols should fit there. But of course, Pujols is a former MVP, but he did not achieve MVP as an angel. So he missed out on that one there. Now, the middle row, strangely enough, I went middle of the road. I went with Josh Hamilton. Very easy to go. Josh Hamilton won MVP of the year that the Rangers played the Giants in the World Series. So we've talked about that methodology before and how I remember a lot of these things and how I equate them. But strangely enough, I was actually trying to think of his teammate, and I just could not think of his teammate's name or prior Ranger, rather. And I'm just trying to think, who is the guy that won more than one MVP with the Rangers? And he came after Ruben Sierra, outfielder, led the league in home runs. And for whatever reason, I mean, I, I couldn't figure it out. And I had to look it up. Juan Gonzalez was what I was trying to get to. But Josh Hamilton, I went, and that was a good enough guess. It worked 43%. So here's where the idiosyncrasies of baseball and the idiosyncrasies of how we view things and the strangeness of Immaculate Grid and I think also possibly why we like this game as well. So in the bottom right-hand corner, Rookie of the Year and MVP, I went Fred Lynn. 
And Fred Lynn, of course, won Rookie of the Year and MVP in the same season, 1975. As a Boston Red Sox, we used Fred Lynn a few days ago for the Angels and Boston. But I thought this category needed to be someone who won both of those categories in the same year, which, of course, there's only two. Fred Lynn and Ichiro. So it's kind of interesting when I finished the grid and then you can click on the number of people that qualified and it said 30. And then I realized, oh, for this particular category, it was perfectly fine to have been a rookie of the year and then later on subsequently won MVP. So I was, you know, trying to think of who else other than Fred Lynn and Ichiro. I went with Fred Lynn. I went and looked it up. And of course, it's just the two of them. And then I look up after the fact and it's like, oh, well, 30 people qualified. So in that instance, for those out there, the top right-hand corner, MVP and Angels, Pujols did not qualify, of course, because he did not win MVP as an Angel. But the MVP and Rookie of the Year were both during the career, so you could have used a lot of different folks. So note to self and for anyone else out there, what qualifies. So let's go on the top and target uh, the top row, the Angels. So in the very first box on the far left-hand corner, Angels and Braves, all I could come up with is, was Andrelton Simmons, and then looking at the list of folks is like, oh yeah, and there's 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 lots, there's there's plenty of guys that actually fall into this, but Andrelton Simmons shortstop um, was in the league fairly recently, so it was a pretty top of mind type of guy. And then I had the opportunity to drop in for the middle top of Detroit and Angels. Again, a guy I went to high school with, Matt Wallback. So at point zero three percent, Matt Wallback makes an appearance yet again. He got to get in there uh, a few days ago. I think it was Cubs and Detroit, which he also played for those guys. But he had a 10-year career, and he very much qualifies for Detroit and the Angels. So I got in there with Matt Wallbeck, a guy that was a couple years older than me, won Sacramento Area Player of the Year, I believe, in 1988. So got to stick Matt Wallbeck in there. We're going to leave an interesting box for last. So that is the middle row, far left-hand side, which would have been, uh, or which is, the Braves and the Rangers. So let's go to the middle row, Detroit and Texas, Ian Kinsler. Again, recent for both, you know, recent player, super easy, 23%. So a lot of folks chose him as well. So that got knocked that one, got that out of the way. Bottom left-hand corner, rookie of the year for the Braves. I went with David Justice. That was kind of a big deal when he came up. And for those that don't recall, David Justice kind of replaced a longtime beloved uh, Brave in Dale Murphy. And Dale Murphy with Mike Schmidt in the early 80s kind of went back and forth with the MVP award and went back and forth with who won, you know, the home run title. And he was a very solid player. He actually originally was a catcher and then he would become a center fielder, right fielder. But he was a gold glove outfielder. And David Justice kind of unceremoniously you know, took his spot and took over. And Justice kind of began the crop of young players that would come up with Atlanta 
and then really thrust Atlanta into the spotlight as they go a decade or so of winning the, well, originally the National League West, but then becoming the National League East, uh, the, the division titles, and, you know, only getting the single World Series in 1995 against the Indians. And strangely enough, Justice would then end up becoming an Indian. Then with Detroit, that is the Detroit in the middle column in row, or middle column, and at the bottom row, Rookie of the Year, one with Justin Verlander, and we used him the other day for MVP and Cy Young, so very top of mind, very easy to get. So here's the interesting one that I wanted to put in Atlanta and Texas. I went with Mike Miner and 3%, and the reason why I wanted to go with Mike Miner is because he has a very weird and interesting kind of stat line in 2019. And full transparency, I knew who I wanted to pick, and I knew he was very much a Brave and a Ranger, but I could not come up with Mike Miner's name. And the reason why I wanted to pick him was just for the excuse to talk about what we're going to talk about now, which is in 2019, he was an all-star, and he actually led the American League in pitching war with 8.0. And there was a very good article about war that year. And this is one of those strange and idiosyncratic kind of things related to advanced metrics and how these things can produce results or produce values that might be skewed based on perception could be skewed based on reality can be skewed based on you know other standard statistics or metrics and it's just one of those weird things and here's what it really is so i had to look at his name but i i knew very much he was a brave and a ranger so mike minor in 2019 he led the league in pitching war american league at 8.0 he finished eighth in cy young voting he had an ERA plus of 144. So ERA plus kind of normalizes your ERA across the league and 100 being average. So if you're at 144, that means you're 44% better than the average. His standard ERA was 359. Now, Garrett Cole with Houston led the league in ERA at 2.5. So keep that in mind for a minute. And his ERA plus led the league at 185. So he was 85 points better than the average player that year, Garrett Cole was. And as an aside, he finished one, two, three, fourth in pitching war that year with 6.6. So innings pitched that year was led by Verlander with 223. Verlander also led the league in wins with 21. And Verlander had a whip of 0.803. So he was giving up a walker hit less than an inning per, or one less, you know, 0.8 hits and walks per inning. Minor was 1.238. So not bad. He wasn't a schlub, but, you know, significantly higher, you know, 50% higher than Verlander that year. As an aside, Garrett Cole also had a whip 
of point of lesson one of point eight nine five. Now, Verlander and Cole were both on the same team that year, Houston. So just kind of interesting. Cole led the league in strikeouts at 326. He had 212 innings. So the guy was just striking everybody and their brother out. Mike Miner, not bad. Struck out 200 batters in 208 innings. So pretty good. So if you look at Cole, he won 20 games. He went 20 and 5. Verlander went 21 and 6. And Miner would be 14 and 10. Strangely enough, his teammate, Lance Lynn, would go 16-11 and have a similar ERA as Miner at 3.67. And Lynn would finish fifth that year in Cy Young voting. And he would be second in war at 7.7. So you have two teammates on the Rangers that have almost an identical war but then you look at the rest of their counting stats and you look at the rest of their, you know, ERA and those kinds of things. And they weren't anywhere near league leading. I mean, they're pretty good, better than average, but nowhere near league leading. And this is where the interesting part comes in. Is war tries to take into account, right, how you are against a replacement level player. But Texas is a bandbox. That stadium is a bandbox, and so they they try to normalize that data against the rest of the league based on you know how your stadium performs. So that's okay, and and basically you're just taking the total runs that are scored in Texas against the total runs scored for the whole league, and coming up with that ratio and what that looks like, and that's how it's adjusting those scores. And of course, as you can imagine, that changes from year to year. But because of that, and because of the balance of the Rangers staff and how that staff performed relative to the rest of the league, you got these skewed war numbers for both Lynn and for Minor that would say they were the better pitcher between Lynn and Minor, Minor and Lynn, than anyone else in the league that year. Which is, as most people would say, is kind of preposterous. You know, Verlander ended up winning the Cy Young that year. He led the league with uh, first place votes. He had 17. Garrett Cole had 13. He finished second. Um, you know, Verlander was third in war. Garrett Cole was fourth. Verlander had a 258 ERA. Cole had a 250 ERA. And so it's also kind of funny that you have these two outstanding teammates on Houston. And as you could bear to guess, Houston would, the, the stadium, the, the park, would give up fewer runs because you have these two guys that are just amazing. And so that's going to suppress the total number of runs that's going to happen in Houston. And so when you compare that to the balance of the league, you're not going to get as favorable calculation in war and so their war relative to others based on total stats is going to come in slightly different. And hence the fact that you've got Verlander and Cole coming in in third and fourth in total war that year. And so it's just one of those weird idiosyncratic things that baseball is. And this is why we love the game. And it gives us something to talk about. It gives us something to review and, and look at and say, huh, that's kind of weird. And so 
my argument as far as advanced analytics, there's no single stat that kind of tells the story. You can craft the story and you can look at players across you know, these different statistics. But when it comes to comparing players across eras or comparing players even within the same year in their league, you could say, well, you know, that's kind of interesting. But if any of us were to be starting a team and assuming that salaries were going to be the same, there's no one in their right mind that would have chosen Lance Lynn and or Mike Miner that year over Verlander or Cole. And you would say, well, you know, but they had a higher war. But you just look at the rest of those stats and that just kind of gives you the scenario. And there's a lot of different arguments and ways to look at it on why that statistical kind of oddity, rarity, or even statistical error of why, you know, stats do lie or can lie or maybe not tell the whole story. So. Full disclosure, I had to look up Mike Miner's name, but I knew exactly who I wanted to pick. I just needed to come up with his name. So I looked up his name so that I could add it in here so we could talk about this kind of story in regards to war and this kind of weird year of 2019 and not taking anything away from, from Mike Miner. The guy was a solid pitcher throughout his career. You know, and, and you're pitching in Texas. We talked about it the other day with the Colorado teams. You know, I don't think going to Texas as a pitcher is any kind of haven, you know, maybe better than Coors Field, but it's it's hot down there. It's humid. The ball flies out of that park. Um, pitchers go there and, and, and struggle. They struggle a lot. So just wanted to kind of get that in there. This was the extra time Immaculate Grid for Saturday the 22nd. And check out, again, check out episode three on free agency of Generations, talking about my sports generations. Have a great rest of your Saturday, and we'll see you.